The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. So uh, we're marking a turning point in our uh, series on the Rhythms for Life, and I, I want to illustrate that by directing your attention towards our growing vine. I love how this vine started oh so small uh, at the beginning of this series, and now it's, it's reaching the top and it's starting to grow back its way down, despite the fact that I neglected to water it this whole week uh, while Janice was away on vacation, which gives you a little bit of a glimpse at my gardening capabilities. Um, but what I want to point out to you is that, uh, you know, if, if I could say this, uh, the, the first part of our series, we were talking about identity and values and roles and all those things that make up who God has made you to be. Uniquely you. Just you. It's, it's, it's God making you special. That's, that's you as a, as a vine. And now we're starting to move towards what are the things that help us to grow. And imagine um, if, if this, you know, this, uh, this, this vine did not have this trellis behind it, how would it grow? It, w- it would not grow. It would not have what it needs supporting it. And so we're going to move through a few different rhythms that help us grow in who God has made us to be. So we're going to take the things that we've talked about and we're going to apply them to specific rhythms, okay? And we're going to start with rhythms upward, upward to God. But first, let me pray. Lord God, as we open up your word, help us to know your ways. Teach us your paths. Lead us in your truth and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. For you, we wait all day long. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. How noisy is your house? How many things are happening all at once? Uh, This is something that I learned in the past three years. Uh, Three years ago, um, we, uh, Tracy and I, had our, our first child, our son, and we kissed the quiet life goodbye. And slowly we've been, you know, over the last three years, as our son's grow, grown older, uh, things have gotten busier. Then, we, then our daughter was born. And that was another watershed moment where things got busier and busier. There were more moving pieces, literally moving things in our household, and more dirty diapers and more toys to trip over and more, more, more. And so um, sometimes I'll come into the living room and there's just things happening, and I, don't, I can't even describe it, but I'll say, enough! Too much noise. Just quiet. I need quiet. Do you ever feel this way about your life? Are there situations, decisions, job pressure, family dynamics, relationships, unknown futures, breaking news, and it just feels like noise coming at you from all sorts of different angles? And we can say, enough. I don't know how to deal with this noise. Life can sometimes seem like a whack-a-mole game, too. 
that stress, worry, and anxiety that comes from one part of your life, you finally figure out a way to keep, and then something else springs up in another part of your life, and you're working and trying to keep this, and it's exhausting, and it's impossible. With all the noise in our lives, we might be tempted to ask the question, how can we live less noisy? Can we take a step back? Can we do less? Can we think less? Can we read less news? Should we read less news? Should I forget university and find a monastery and commit my life to God? Is dis- in other words, is disconnecting from the noise in our world the answer? Others of us might want to reminisce about the good old days. Right, the good old days before maskers and anti-maskers, before vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. Those days were much less noisy, weren't they? Some may long for that reality again. But is getting back to the good old days the right answer? What if the invitation in our noisy world isn't to disconnect from it and isn't to go back to the way that things were but something else? In Psalm 27, David gives us a glimpse at what that something else might be. See, David is processing noise in his life. We get an insider's look at what some of the things that he's dealing with and that are coming at him from different angles. He says this, When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, though an army besieges me, the war break out against me. David in this psalm is processing noise that's coming into his life, but he doesn't do it in the way that he would expect. He doesn't say, God, I wish things were the way that they used to be back when I was a shepherd. Ah, the quiet life. And nor does he go all Jonah on us and try to run away from his responsibilities as king. Instead, what he does is he sifts all the noise through his God filter. Everything goes through that. Everything comes in and goes out through his God filter. This is what it looks like. David says, one thing I ask from the Lord. One thing. Everything comes down to one thing. This only I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. I think here, congregation, David is putting on display what happens when we cultivate rhythms of the upward life. Simply put, the the goal of the upward life is to increase our knowledge of God and to continually align our lives with his way so that we grow onward and upward towards Christ. And so there's a growing in knowledge aspect and there's a growing in alignment aspect. And both of those put together help us towards becoming more like Jesus and putting into practice the rhythms of God. The upward life is a worshipful life. And it's David's foundation. It's his ground zero. And it's what allows him to find a tremendous amount of confidence and peace in the midst of all of the noise in his life. Pay attention to those verses again that we've read. Though the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. 
Why? For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Isn't that incredible? So how do we quiet the noise like David? How do we, how do we start to build that God filter? Well, I think we can draw three things from this psalm, that one thing that David talks about. We can uh, seek God, dwell in his presence, and gaze at his beauty. Seek God, dwell in his presence, and gaze at his beauty. So first, let's, what does it mean to seek God? Well, let me ask you a question. What do you seek? You know, we seek lots of things in our lives. If we want to pursue personal fitness and get ourselves into shape, we, when we seek that, we have to intention, intentionally plan and prioritize exercise, workouts, etc. If we want to master and pass calculus, we have to intentionally seek and practice the skill. If we want to master that pattern, we have to intentionally seek to put it into practice. Right? In much the same way, there is an intentionality towards seeking God that we must pay attention to. And this theme of seeking God runs through all of Scripture. For example, 1 Chronicles 16 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Or Psalm 63, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And from Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Like, running through the entire line of the scriptures is this common refrain of intentionally seeking God's face. But there is a distinction between seeking God's presence and earning God's presence. The way to grow in the upward life isn't by striving or performing. It isn't... It doesn't even begin by working hard at all. And this is where Christianity, I think, differs from pretty much everything else that we'll hear in our world. All other ways of quieting the noise in our lives, of sifting things, of finding peace or confidence, comes down to our performance. If if it's um, in our career, if we're finding noise in our career, we're told to quiet that. We have to work harder. We have to get ahead of the game. We have to find ourselves reaching a certain title or getting a certain degree. Then the, finally the stress will lower. But, but all of that is based on our performance. Modern spirituality tells us that if we want to find inner peace, we have to achieve complete mindfulness. It's about working hard to get to a certain echelon. But in the Bible, we are seeking God's presence, not by our performance, but by grace. It's by grace that we can come into his presence, right? We're greeted into God's presence with with the words of grace when we gather together as his people. And so seeking doesn't begin with working or striving, but by asking and inviting. It's a different paradigm. Inviting God into our lives. Seeking God begins with giving up trying to do it ourselves and inviting him in, and it begins with prayer. And I can't stress this enough. I think David models this well for us when he says, one thing I ask 
Not one thing I do, one thing I ask. It must begin with prayer. What do you ask God for? Jesus tells us that God is is a father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or which of you, if, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then you who are evil, thanks Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Seeking God does take intentionality. It doesn't happen, but it begins with, it doesn't happen automatically, but it begins with asking, inviting in prayer. Most of the time, we blow through life so fast we don't even think about this. We don't even pause to take a moment to invite God into our moments and in our lives. Where do you seek God? Where is the space in your life where you intentionally ask him to draw near to you? You know, this is where rhythms, upward rhythms of reading scripture daily can be very helpful. Moments of journaling, even. Times when we can come before God and invite him into our lives to speak with us. When we can pray to God. Seeking God takes intentionality, but it begins by inviting him in. Second, dwell in his presence. The word for dwell in Hebrew is to remain, to sit, to be still. Uh, You can't be on the move and dwell. If anyone's ever had a crush before, uh, you, you know, and I imagine this is most of us in the room, you know that the thing that you want to do more than anything else when you have a crush is to be around your crush. To simply be in that person's presence. To sit in it. To hang out in, with them. And if you've ever talked to somebody after they've been around their crush, you know that they have this sort of like airy sort of, you know, they're almost floating about five inches off the ground just by being in that person's presence. Even seeing a person who you have a crush on for a moment in your day changes the trajectory of the rest of your day. And little tiny things that they do mean the world to you. They looked at me. If, If we were created to be in a relationship with God, if we were created to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, would not dwelling in his presence do the same for us? Wouldn't just being in his presence fill us with grace? Wouldn't we be convicted by his law? Wouldn't we learn from his justice? Wouldn't, in other words, wouldn't it be very formative to dwell in God's presence? Through God's Holy Spirit, being in his presence is how we become more like him. And it also reminds us of the reality to which we're headed. David, in this psalm, wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. That might cue up a little reminder in you that, oh, I've heard that before from Psalm 23, where David ends that psalm by saying, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so there is a 
ultimate reality to which this points us. We experience God's presence in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit now. And it points us towards the fullness of time. Fills us with confidence that this is where we are headed. In, in John's uh, book of Revelation, right, there's this uh, interesting observation by a lot of Bible commentators that when, when John is given this vision, he doesn't see a temple in the New Jerusalem. And people are like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the point of Jerusalem was that it had the temple. And the commentators will say, no, that's because the whole earth is God's temple. The whole earth is filled with his presence. This is the reality to which we who are in Christ are headed. But I might, I I hope I'm not alone in this, and it's, it's hard to dwell in God's presence. It's hard to remain still. A lot of us, I think, have a Martha complex to us where um, we don't really give ourselves permission or we don't feel worthy to enjoy God. You know the story of, of Mary and Martha where Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha's working away in the kitchen, uh, making herself of value to the situation. And she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, tell Mary to help me out, to do things, to make herself useful. And Jesus says to, to Martha, he says, you're worried about many things and few are needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. Sit in God's presence, because Jesus is worth it, and he is in control of all things, and so we can find space to do that. Eugene Peterson helpfully draws a connection between the the dwelling in God's presence and the, the rhythm of Sabbath, he says this, if you don't take a Sabbath, something's wrong. You're doing too much. You're being too much in charge. You've got to quit one day a week and just watch what God is doing when you're not doing anything. That's part of dwelling, is, is watching what God is up to. Congregation, I think that there's um, two main rhythms that I'd like to point out uh, to us about dwelling in God's presence. One is a communal and one is a personal rhythm. Um, The communal rhythm is come to church. And I know we're in the midst of a pandemic. And I know church is, is challenging at this time. But come to church. As your pastor, I, I, I want to encourage you to do whatever you can to gather with God's people. I know that many of us are still fearful of the the pandemic, and I don't want to minimize this. But I think we, as as council and as church, we've done a lot. We've listened to a lot of people in finding a way that we are able to gather together as God's people in a safe way. And that's not because we want butts in the pews. That's because it is incredibly important to our spiritual well-being that we gather as God's people in worship to offer a sacrifice of praise. Don't get me wrong, online church has value in its own way, but it, I, I, at the, my perspective might change over time, but as of right now, I don't think it can, it can truly replace the body of Christ gathered. 
We are a people who are gathered in the name of the risen Jesus. I know church doesn't look the same as it did 18 months ago. And I know many of you have expressed to me really good reasons why you're worshiping from home. But there is a reason why we gather together and it's not because it's convenient or because it's easy or because you enjoy it. It's because of Jesus. And we come together as the, the, the embodied body of Christ. Bring your kids. Bring your babies. I know I'm talking about minimizing noise, but I would be happy if this place were more noisy with more people here. Bring anything that you need to be here with us. Communal worship is an important, an important rhythm in our lives as we dwell in God's presence together. Another rhythm is to find solitude. Solitude is, is helpful because it, we open up ourselves to, in our hearts to God in ways that we couldn't when we're together. Many people have found that being in God's presence in the quiet of the morning or dashboard time on the way to work or in a walk in a conservation area are helpful times of inviting God to be present with you and dwelling with him. Lastly, David teaches us to gaze at the beauty of God's character. So as I've said throughout this sermon, some of us struggle to see, you know, in the midst of all the noise that God is the answer, that God is uh, everything that we need in our lives. We minimize the transforming power of God and we look to other things to silence the noise instead. Others of us struggle to feel worthy of being in his presence. We feel guilt and shame that separates us from him, and we don't think that we deserve his love and goodness and care. But gazing at the beauty of God's character, I think, offers an answer that captures both the insider and the outsider. God's character is, the, is what we look at. Gaze at his beauty. Where do we look to see the beauty of God's character? Well, we look at the image of the invisible God. Right, the, Paul tells us that the best way to see the Father is to look through Jesus Christ and to see the consistency in his— he is fully God, fully human. He's the embodiment of God. Jesus is the way we see God. And in the most incredible way, when we look at Jesus, we see God's character coming to us, serving us, healing us and teaching us and on the cross jesus died for us jesus had to go to the cross right we're so lost and unable to find hope and peace and confidence on our own that jesus had to come and be the way the truth and the life right there is no other way but Jesus. But he did it willingly. He did it lovingly. He went to the cross and was cast out of God's 
presence so that you in all of your sin and your brokenness can be clothed as we said we're clothed in his righteousness and invited into the throne room of God you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power not because of who you are but because of what Christ has done on the cross he is everything that we need. Gaze at the beauty of the cross, and it will change you. You will be able to live out that God filter. I'll conclude with a story of how someone put this into practice in a, in a very extreme way. Read, I read this week about a missionary in 1851 named Alan Gardiner. And he was on his way to South Africa to start a new mission. And he was shipwrecked on a very remote island. This is a true story. And he and his companions tried their very best to stay alive until somebody could find them. But nobody did. And finally he died. Far away from his loved ones. Far away from his family. Far away from everything that was important to him, dying of thirst, dying of hunger. Imagine. Imagine. When they finally discovered his body, they found right next to his body was a, his quiet time notebook, his journal. And they opened it up and they saw in the very last page he'd written out Psalm 34 verse 10. And this is what it says. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Right underneath it, the last words he penned were, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. How could he say, I'm overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God? Why wasn't he mad? Why wasn't he angry? Why wasn't he scared? He had the one thing that made a big difference, and there was nothing to be afraid of. Cultivate these rhythms, these upward rhythms. Seek his face, dwell in his presence, gaze at his beauty. Nothing will be able to shake you. Let's pray. Father, we um, come into your presence by grace. And um, it's an amazing thing to be able to, uh, to, to talk about what that means in our lives. Um, I know that we... Our, our human, we're broken. We, we struggle with this. We, we move through life too fast. We forget about your power and your might. We don't let ourselves uh, enjoy and um, we don't let ourselves be loved by you fully. Father, fill us with your spirit. Help us to see that, that we are um, infinitely loved in Jesus Christ.
and, and that, that you are everything that we need in this life. As we encounter noise from different angles, would you just give us your spirit that helps us to sift all this noise through one thing, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May this become a reality for us. In Jesus' name, amen.